You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Not sure if we got audio or not. I'm uh, trying out a new system. If someone could maybe shoot me a message on Facebook to let me know that you can hear me, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, hopefully you guys can hear me. I don't want to go too far into this thing unless we got, I want to get confirmation that we are on the air. Okay, maybe we got some audio now. I'm hoping we do. We've been working on trying to get some new equipment put in and trying to get these new microphones up and going. I apologize for the inconvenience, everybody. Let me see if I can find my special guest to try and get him on board. Hello, caller. Hello, Rico. All right, Chuck. We we we, <laughs> we, we can we accomplish anything, man. Audio <laughs> difficulties on my end. I apologize, man. I, uh, we uh, got some new microphones in, and I was trying my best to uh, get that hooked up, but uh, don't think that was working out quite uh, quite right just yet. Let I hear you. Go back, to, go back to the old way and, and go back to the just old good old standby call in method. Sometimes your way is the best way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we were flying without a net there for a second, and, and uh, that didn't work out too good. So, And, man, I'm going to tell you, the past couple of weeks, we've been kind of fumbling and bumbling, stumbling around with uh, uh, last week someone backed into my truck, so we didn't get to have the show last week. And then uh, right in the middle of the podcast, week before that, my phone decided it was time for an update, and it just shut down right in the middle of the show. Oh, my gosh. That's no good. <laughs> No, no, and then we got we got you coming on tonight with us, and we start out with a bang just like that. So I apologize to everybody tuning uh, in tonight, but we uh, well, we'll make up for it tonight, uh, Rico. We're going to make up for the last week and a half or two weeks. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, so you didn't catch anything last week while you were out hunting? No, I had a great time though, and uh, I certainly probably ate too much, but I had a great time out there in the woods, and I'm going out again on Saturday. Good deal, good deal. Well, maybe you have a little bit better uh, tracking this time around. Ah, uh, you know what? I just grow because I love being in the woods. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, it, once you shoot a deer, it's very anticlimactic, and you have to climb off your tree stand and actually do some work. <laughs> okay, Chuck, well, if you can give me just a second, I'm going to jump into these uh, trend lines for this week real quick, and we're going to go over that, and we'll jump right into tonight. We want to try to... Uh, Want to try to pick your brain a little bit on the uh, RFP process, and maybe we can try to get some uh, get some people familiarized with how that process is, and and get uh, get you know help you uh, help us walk us through how that whole process works. Uh, if we if someone of our size may even be able to compete with that type of process, or maybe even gain some insights from the people that did win bids and who we need to be. Targeting, targeting maybe to work with as far as brokers are concerned, brokers and 3PL. Uh, sure. But with with no further ado, I'm going to jump right over into this uh, DHE trend lines for this week from November the 2nd through the 8th. 
and the national average rate rose two cents per mile for vans and five cents for reefers last week. The flatbed rate lost one cent due to decline in the fuel surcharge. So we're going to jump over into the U.S. van demand segment of the trend lines report. And van freight availability expanded by 6.9% last week and truckload capacity added 4.5%. That combination yielded a 14% increase in the average load to truck ratio, which is now three loads per truck. The October van ratio dips 10%. Uh, this kind of leads into what a lot of people have already been feeling. The national ratio averaged 2.8 for vans in October, a seasonal decline of 10% compared to September, 21% above the level of October 2013. Both load posts and truck posts increased on both month-over-month and a year-over-year basis. Let's jump over into U.S. van rates for November the 2nd through the 8th, and the national average rate for vans rose 2 cents to 203 per mile last week. Despite a one cent decline in the fuel surcharge, van rates have remained above $2 per mile for most of 2014. Uh, weekly roundup around the country on the rate side, uh, starting out in Philadelphia up on the East Coast, shows a $1.82 per mile average in that area. Atlanta shows a $2.02 per mile average. Chicago checking in at $2.24 per mile average. Dallas at $1.81 per mile. And out on the West Coast, averaging out at $2.40 per mile. Jumping over to the U.S. flatbed demand, flatbed load availability lost another 5% last week, and truck load capacity slipped 9.9% for a 6.1% decline in the load-to-truck ratio. The national average rate is now 16.8 loads per truck. Flatbed ratio down 10%, low volume declined 10% flatbeds in October compared to September, and the capacity increased 27%, yielding a 29% decline in the load-to-truck ratio month over month. The ratio rose 65% compared to October 2013. However, due to increased demand, um, this that was... The ratio rose 65% compared to October 2013, however, due to the increased demand. And um, I want to jump back over into the U.S. flatbed rate. Flatbed rates dropped by $0.01. Cent. Flatbed rates dropped $0.01 last week to the national average of $2.34 per mile due to a downward adjustment in the average of fuel surcharge. The rates rounding out around the country coming in in the East Coast Coming out of the Harrisburg market shows a $3.97 per mile average. Atlanta checks in at $2.76 per mile. Rock Island checks in at $2.91 per mile. Houston, $2.76 per mile. And Phoenix at $1.85 per mile on average. And rounding this out, we're going to jump over into U.S. reefer demand. And reefer demand... Uh, reefer freight availability increased 12% last week, while truck posts declined 4.9%. The resulting load-to-truck ratio increased 18% from 7.8, back up to 9.2 loads per truck nationwide, indicating seasonal capacity pressure. 
Those uh, Thanksgiving turkeys are shipping. <laughs> Monthly average ratio slipped another 9.2% in October and to 8.2% compared to October 2013. The load-to-truck ratio was up 5.5% for the month, and the reefer capacity has increased on both month-over-month and year-over-year, but demand varies seasonally. And real quickly, we're going to wrap this up so we can get back over to Chuck. Uh, the national average rate for reefers added $0.05 cents last week despite a $0.01 decline in the fuel surcharge. Rates jumped to $2.31 per mile for the week, the highest average since September. The weekly roundup around the country, Elizabeth, New Jersey, checks in at $2.15 per mile. Lake Island, uh, Lakeland, Florida, checks in at $1.51. And I think uh, just a quick heads up about Florida. Uh, some of you guys may already know, but there is starting to be a little bit of movement down in Florida as far as produce is concerned. I'll get into that maybe a little bit later on. Um, McAllen, Texas, checks in at $1.80. Green Bay, Wisconsin, $2.91 per mile on average. And rounding us out is Fresno at $2.18 per mile on the average. And real quickly, um, on the USDA truckload report, St. Louis Valley, Colorado, is showing a shortage of for trucks. They need trucks in that area. Idaho and Merrill County, Oregon, showing a shortage. They need trucks in that area. Minnesota, North Dakota, showing a shortage on trucks. And also Nebraska checks in with a shortage. Those areas, if, if you have a reefer, you have vented vans, uh, and maybe even some flatbeds can move some onions and stuff out of those areas Um Michigan is second in has onions moving out of Michigan right now. That's a real quick roundup on for the week as far as the USDA report and everything is concerned. And with no further ado, let's get back over and check back in with Chuck because today is all about Chuck Snow, the CEO of Traffic. So if you have any questions or anything that you would like to ask Chuck, if you've uh, been, been privileged to uh, be on uh, any of our previous podcasts with Chuck, you know Chuck is, uh, has a dash amount of knowledge that he's willing to share and get it over to us. So go ahead and press number one. We'll get your call screen and we'll get you right over to Chuck. All right, Chuck, we're checking in with you. This is our monthly check-in with you. Uh, we already talked about your little hunting excursion. Um, and you had also mentioned there's, there's uh, also, if everyone got a chance to check out, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet. I'm going to listen to it maybe later on tonight when I'm riding. But there was a podcast, a new podcast that we've added to the network talking about uh, getting in shape, getting healthy, which is a very, very um, important issue for uh, most of us truck drivers out here. Uh, Chuck, do you have anything you want to add on that? Yeah, you know what? I think it's great. I, I spoke to Kevin about it, um, about the whole concept of bringing up some sort of uh, acknowledgement towards uh, health and fitness when I was at the CMC uh, last year, and he agreed, and I guess you know he's done something about it, and I'm really happy about it because it's the it is the biggest threat to our entire industry is we're going to have all these people that work in the industry that the industry is dependent upon that aren't going to be able to go to work because uh, under some of the new legislation, um, there's so many drivers I see out there they're going to get their licenses pulled, and it's. You know, old age catches up on everybody, and, you know, I'm adamant that people do everything they can to stay in shape. 
And in one of my blogs, I talked about uh, one of the truck stop chains was celebrating their 100th uh, Cinnabon um, kiosk in their truck stop. And I called them out on it basically because the damage that this does to drivers, you know, these things are, they are irresistible. And you've been on the road all day and you walk by this kiosk, you're hungry, and you smell that delicious uh, pastry, uh, which is probably the worst thing you could ever eat. And uh, then you eat that thing, you have dinner, and then you go in your truck. And right. that's why we've got a, a huge issue in our industry. The uh, There's some different, and I, I may have mentioned that before, uh, there's some different numbers out there. But one of the numbers that I did here was that the average life expectancy for a owner-operator in the United States is 57 years old. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Yeah, that's and, and I think that Kevin and and Kim are really on to something here. We we got to stop that. There's no reason for this. This is, um, you know, uh, our trucks are going to last longer than us. Right. Right. So I just think that we're, you know, I think people becoming more aware of this, I think, is really important. You know, we can get all the freight we want and all the rates we want, Rico, but if we're not there to uh, to do the work, it's no good. Absolutely. And there's a starting to see, uh, it's good to see that there is some uh, change that are starting to have more and more workout facilities at the, uh, at the truck stops. I think that that's uh, a great a great thing that they're doing for the trucking industry. And But the sad thing about that, I know from my experience, uh, we're not utilizing them. You know, they will put them in there if we use them, but we're not. When I go into the workout rooms at some of these truck stops, sometimes there may be one other person that may come in, and I know they're not the the largest uh, workout rooms that they are, but they they do have some facilities that are there that we can use and that we can utilize, and we're not taking advantage of it, you know, of, I think that we gotta we gotta really get serious about this thing, and, and I know for as far as myself, I know I gotta drop a few pounds. Well, I hate to I hate to remind everybody out there, but unfortunately, there's no such thing as an old fat man. Uh, we just don't live that long if we're if we're overweight. We just won't get we won't reach old age. Women are luckier; they carry their weight in their uh, you know in other parts of their body around their hips and thighs and. Um, it won't have the impact that it does on men, but uh, especially where men carry it, you know, uh, in our waist has a effect on sugar diabetes, and we all know that with sugar diabetes, it can affect our livelihoods uh, as you know, as drivers. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, Chuck, I, I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit because we had exchanged a few emails and we talked about that. And I gotta, I gotta, you know, get on my job and, and catch up on, uh, on on the first podcast. I don't want to get too far behind on that. But um, trying to kind of switch, uh, switching gears real quickly. Um, can you, what can you explain to us about this RFP process? I understand that now is the time that a lot of RFP bids are going out. It's, it's kind of in that season. Um, what, what can you explain to us how that works and, and um, you know, maybe walk us through that process? Well, how it works is companies will put out a, uh, in the old days they called them a tender, um, but a request for uh, RFQ or RFP, request for quotation or request for pricing. And they will send it out to carriers that inquire about it, or and or brokers. 
and you, what you do is you have to send your information to them. They're going to want your MC number and your insurance information and your capacity, uh, how many loads you can handle into a certain lane. Um, and then what happens is the, the pricing. Now, some of them are priced all in. Some of them uh, will have, you know, they'll have a part for fuel surcharge. Quite often what you'll find on these RFQs is they will dictate the fuel surcharge to you, and it'll go on basically according to the price per gallon. And that'll be a separate column. And you will fill out those lanes in which you think that you can, uh, you can offer service. Now, I would think for most of the audience that have one or you know one to five trucks, you may be best with these to look at doing the quotations on the short runs. Um, you know, especially those ones that are like a hundred miles or so, because you can give the customer more velocity, more volume, more use of your truck. Um, if you're a carrier based in the East Coast, in let's say Maryland or in uh, Pennsylvania or New Jersey. And you're gonna, and you've got one truck, and you're quoting to California. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to do about 23 or 25 loads a year, maximum. You're not going to be much good to him unless his volume is very low. And that's something else you have to look at. If the volume is low, um, whether that works for you or whether it's high, whether that works for you. If they have 500 loads a year, you're willing to do 20. They may not look at you as compared to dealing with a large carrier. So you have to be realistic. And one, you know, I see a lot of these RFQs, um, you know, we have them come over our desk all the time. And one of the big issues has been with some of the larger companies, it takes them so long to do anything. They move like glaciers. So you can give them pricing today, and they don't really have any intentions on moving it until next April or next May. And this just happened to us with a with a large client. We had um, we had bid on a whole bunch of freight. We were awarded uh, several lanes, and then what ended up happening? Um, we did the bid around last February or March, and they finally and it included me taking a trip um, down to the southern U.S. to meet with them. So we were serious about it, and. They had a bunch of changes, and they finally were ready to release this uh, these lanes to everybody in October. And this was a this is a multi billion dollar company that has multi lanes, and probably ninety percent of the carriers that gave rates couldn't do the work because the rates were no longer active because right. they had taken so long. So that's really important when you're going to uh, participate in the RFP process. Find out when when the work is coming. And one of my big complaints that I've seen with the RFP process uh, is you'll quote and you get close to the incumbent's rate, or you know maybe a few dollars more, and they'll go to the incumbent. And they'll say, you know, uh, you've been here for 20 years, Charlie. You've done a great job. Uh, but, you know, Rico came by and he's, you know, 20 cents a mile cheaper. Would you like to, uh, do you want to, you know, lower yours to 23 cents a mile? And that does happen. 
Right, right. So I mean, you're a guy that, you know, it's not all the way it should be. I'm going to mix in a call real quick, Chuck. Uh, Kevin is calling in, has a comment about staying healthy. Let's go to Kevin out in Nebraska. Kevin, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you tonight? I'm well. You're checking in with Chuck and Rico Muhammad tonight on the Racing Lanes podcast. Go ahead. You got the floor. All right. I just wanted to comment. You know, everybody's been talking about exercise and everything, but you also got to understand your body. And back in September, I got on this diet, and it was under a doctor's care. And because what I do is I drink one one serving eight, eight ounces of this almond milk, cashew milk. It's right. you know new milk that's out, and it's only got thirty calories. And the other thing I do is is part of this diet is one one cup of yogurt in the morning for breakfast with the milk. It's uh, 80 calories. That's all I can have. And throughout the day, I can have two to three servings of fruit and four to five servings of vegetables. Okay, with that comes uh, all the salad I can eat with a salad dressing that is zero calories. Now, the only company I know that makes that is called Walden Farm. And... Uh, I have seen some other stuff at Walmart that was five calories. I think that's probably acceptable. It just depends on the individual's taste. Uh, but seven ounces of protein a day is all I is is all I can have. And I have lost twelve pounds, and I have dropped some inches. I, I am getting back into jeans that that I used to wear. I feel pretty good. Another thing that I that I have found out is that we did some extra blood work. Uh, he wanted to find out, you know, my PSA level, uh, which is right. at a point point zero three. It was pretty low. Wow, that's pretty uh, good. Because of, because I'm taking uh, a cholesterol medicine, and after time, it starts to work a couple enzymes in your liver that can can, can cause liver cancer. So right. they, they really watch that. The other thing is is that we uh, we we took my testosterone level, and we found out that my testosterone level was really in in the dumps, it was at 425, where my level should have been at a thousand. Wow! So we did we did a testosterone treatment. I think it's called pellet, and uh, uh, he he did like a like a half inch slice in my in my butt cheek and pushed in these pellets, and th- throughout the 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 course of the process. If my if my body needs this testosterone, then it, then it takes it. Then it's there. It's there for the taking. I feel better. I'm I'm a lot more active. Uh, I'm able to stay fuller longer because I think my testosterone has a lot of effect. And sure. I think it's been low for so long and so many years. It was at the point where I didn't want to do anything. Right. And and I feel much better now and everything. So I think I think with this health craze and exercise, a person needs to check their testosterone level to see where it's at. And if they need to do something to raise it, they need to do something. Now, also the other thing the doctor told me was that these testosterone creams and and patches and stuff they got it doesn't have enough of the testosterone level in it to raise your level to where it needs to be. 
he, right. he actually he, he said I needed to do this this pellet treatment. So I said, okay, fine. Now last Saturday I went in and, and drew some blood work, and I'm waiting on the results to come back to find out where my levels been because it's been six weeks. Well, I think and, you've done a great and, job, man. And and I feel better in the truck. Uh, and it's, it's been the only thing that I have found in the 10 years that I've been trying to find something that actually works. Uh, I stay away from soda. I can have all the zero calorie drinks that are out there, you know, and some diet sodas are on that list. Uh, I've really been able to wean myself off the diet deal. And I, I make my own tea and I mix it with Splenda and that's acceptable. Well, and uh, we, we appreciate you calling in, Kevin. We uh, wanted to get, let you get in, and uh, we appreciate it. Congratulations on all the uh, the, the health well that, that you've gotten. And I just want to remind everybody about uh, uh, Kim's uh, podcast. It's called Destination Health. If you go to the um, Blog Talk Radio and you go under the audio road, you click on the network and go under... Uh, the network, you can go in and check out her very first podcast, which which is it's already in the archives. It's recorded there, and maybe we can uh, maybe spread some links out there about that about uh, Kim's podcast and, and get the get the word out there about that as well, because that is very important. That we definitely want to get um, you know take back control of our health. But tonight is the Rate and Lanes podcast, and we're going to switch back over, going back over into the uh, we were talking about the RFP. And uh, I'm not sure when Kim is going to be having uh, her, her new uh, episode will be coming out. Not exactly 100% sure. Uh, but, Chuck, I just want to back you up a, a little bit in talking about how to get on to the RFP. How do you find, how do you find these people to allow you to get on their uh, requests for the process? Is there, is there a Most of the time, uh, Rico, most of the time it's just like everything else. It's a cold call. And you'll call a company, and uh, the you know you're going to look for the logistics department, and they either use that process or they don't. Um, now, quite often when I when I do cold, cold calls or my sales staff, uh, they'll say, "Well, it's all done with RFQ or RFP. Um, ours is in uh, December or November. I want you to send me an email and follow up." And that's what you do. You send them an email, and then you follow up, and you call them when, when they tell you. You put it in your Outlook calendar or whatever system you use, and you get hold of them, and you say, hey, I just you know, I just called somebody back today. and said, hey, I want to participate in your RFP. And then they'll send you what they want. Sometimes you're going to see addendums to these things that you're going to go, I don't want this. You know, these guys want to pay me in 90 days. Or these right. guys want me to drop three trailers for you know for a load that goes once a week three hundred miles you know there's all sorts of stuff that you may not want but quite often the uh, the outline and the description the RFP will tell you exactly what they're looking for and it's good for the way you know if it's done properly it'll tell you if they're honest they'll they'll tell you what they need and then you can price accordingly and of course if they want three trailers you charge them for three trailers. You know, whatever they okay. want. And either you're right. going to be competitive or you're not. Okay, now let me ask you this part. Now, you said basically they'll give you all the information that you really need in order to be, to work up a good quote. So everything that in the RFP process 
they, they all the information is right there for you at your disposal. Exactly. You're not going to have to ask a lot of questions on a good RFP. They they have done their work. Um, they don't want you to ask questions, so they will give you the information ahead of time. And that saves okay. that saves them having to uh, rewalk their path and send out another email or or whatever saying, "Hey, we made a mistake. Um, this is what we meant." You know, whatever it is. So most of them are getting better and better at the information they're supplying. Okay. Okay. Now, as far as doing doing your research, as far as trying to get it competitive with the in the bidding process, is there a way that you guys utilize to to kind of uh, do, do you just have you work off your own um, margins where you 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 sit back and you do your own projections and kind of come up with your own rates, or do you guys kind of do any kind of benchmarking or anything like that? Uh, compared to well, you do, yeah, of course. You know, you do. Uh, you do a little bit of both. You know, trucking, and I think you and I have spoken about this before. Trucking is accounting, right? Okay, so you have a column of what your costs are. You know that when you're going into certain areas, either uh, the costs are more because of tolls, or the costs are more because when you're into that area. Uh, you know, if you've got to start delivering loads to, um, you know, the middle of Nebraska, of northwest Nebraska, Valentine, Nebraska, you may have, you know, 150 deadhead miles to get back to an area where you can load to come back. So you put that hunt the cost for that 150-mile deadhead into the mileage. You know, that's really important. Otherwise, you'll get creamed. So you've got to know your costs. If you're going to an area that's, you know, that has a lot of tolls, a lot of congestion, all these things are going to add to your cost. And, and, and that's about, what you need to do. Okay, I'm sorry, but what about like, uh, and you were talking about doing the with the extra trailers and the drop trailers, so on and so forth. Is there um, a breakdown that you 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 have for like a spot for spotted trailers, so on and so forth? Well, it really depends where you are, because trailer costs, I notice, um, you know, as far as renting trailers, and I, and I work on a on a trailer rental uh, concept. Um, if I have to rent a trailer in order to, or rent two or three trailers in order to um, make a deal happen, I will. Now, if I'm using my own trailers, I still want to get the same rate as the rental company does. And I always figure about a hundred dollars a week per trailer. That's what it's going to cost you to rent a trailer in most areas, except for you'll get some areas like we do a little bit of work out of Nebraska, and I've had to rent trailers there. And um, if anybody's in the trailer rental business wants to open up a place, it's badly needed in Omaha because there's hardly any trailer availability there. And this, you know, this has been for ages. So a trailer there runs me about six or seven hundred dollars a month if I have to rent one. But most markets you can rent a trailer for roughly about four hundred dollars a month or less. And if it's less, you pocket. You know, now all of a sudden you're making a few dollars on the trailer, and there's no crime in making money. That's why we're doing this. So, so you know, you have to figure out how many trailers you need uh, because you know due to the velocity. Yeah, you know, that's really important. 
Right, right. So, and would you recommend so if if you are interested in trying to get in on some of these RFPs, you you really need to probably uh, to to start out. Let's just say start making. Do you suggest maybe buying any type of mailing list from industries or no? Well, uh, you know what? Personally, I think that you know mailing lists aren't going to really um, they're not going to help you. Um, you know, they're just, they're just lists. Uh, I think you pick an industry and you pick an area. Um, if you buy a mailing list, what are you really buying? I, I think that uh, for most of us, especially the smaller operators, your best, you go into an area. You pick, you pick an area. Let's say you're in, uh, you're in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, either go and uh, spend some time on Google and Google certain manufacturers in Atlanta or drive around the industrial base. What are you looking for? You know, what right. sort of freight are you looking for? Uh, if you've got a flatbed, you don't want to be buying uh, mailing lists that have freight that's not flatbed. So if you're a flatbed operator, what sort of freight are you looking for? Are you looking for steel? Are you looking for lumber, building supplies, bricks? Um, you know, you've got to really hone in on what you're after because you've well, only got what, one to five trucks. There, there are right, and there are some. Um, there, the reason I asked, I brought that question up. I have been able to find some things on lists that that kind of pointed me to places that I didn't even know existed in certain areas. Because some of these places are, you know, nooks and crannies in different parts of the city, and um, I think that some of those some lists that not necessarily go out and spend a ton of money on anything like that. But I think maybe if you got a, if you created a budget, you know, if you had a marketing budget, let's say. Uh, you know, have that a part of your marketing budget. Thoughts on that? Um, you know, how much money are you going to spend on a marketing budget for one truck or two trucks? And, and the other thing I want to mention, you know, you get involved with a RFQ, you've got to be a RFP. You've got to be careful because now, yeah, you've got guaranteed work, uh, if it works out that way and you really get it, but you're you're not necessarily contracted um, because all of these contracts, any of the ones I've ever seen, aren't really worth the paper they're written on. Um, there's always exit clauses. Usually the exit clause is more favorable for the shipper than it is for the trucker. But, you know, if you got t locked into a really low-paying contract right now, uh, especially a long-term one, and all this great freight that's gone up so much in the last year uh, is available and you can't touch it. Where'd you get yourself with your one truck? Right. But on the other hand, if you can lock into an RFP, like through an RFP, into a lane that is something you can do and you can lock into something coming back, you're, you're set, okay, because there's no surprises. But you need to do it based on not just market, but what your costs are. It's really important. You got to know your cost. So that all these different uh, aspects of putting in a, a, a properly constructed RFP includes um, knowing what your costs are, knowing what the cost of if you have rental equipment, so on and so forth. All of these things you need to be you need to have those uh, different price broken down. And worked out uh, a couple of weeks back. We talked about making projections. Um, 
I think that a lot of people, you, uh, we talked about making the projections, your yearly projections, but also being able to have, like Kevin's program has on Propagate, is being able to have a real-time, um, what, your, what your real-time costs are so that you can check back against it. And, and I'm a big proponent of trying to have a monthly and weekly goals out of your out of your projection. So, like, if you have a projection that this year I want to run, if you're a one-truck one operation, you want to run 120,000 miles within a year, what does that break down to on a monthly basis or a weekly basis? Kind of have all that broken out and, and just working the math backwards on that so that you can also, if opportunity presents itself, to do a request for proposition, that you have the numbers to be able to support your, you know, give a give a real informative RFP request back to the shipper. That's right. But you need to make sure that the numbers you, um, you present that shipper are based on your actual cost. That is so important. And I think that's one of the areas that I see failures in our industry because people don't, Take the cost into consideration, and these are all your costs. You know, if you if you go out and buy a brand new truck, um, at, at some point, the first year, I can tell you, you know, you're probably not going to have a lot of repairs, other than you know those annoying um, things that happen with new trucks. But overall, you shouldn't have a whole lot of repairs. Um, I guess DEF and all the other stuff is a little bit different, but normally you don't. You don't have a lot of brake problems and things like that. You shouldn't be replacing any tires unless you are unfortunate and you run over something, you know, a piece of steel or something. Um, but the second year, your maintenance costs go up, and the third year, and they keep going up. So it really doesn't matter what year your truck is, whether it's a 2014 or a 1994 you still need to budget something for repairs. You're going to have to do that engine. You're going to right. have to rebuild the transmission. And this is where people think, well, geez, I bought a truck, and uh, you know, it's a good truck. It's a 1997 Freightliner, and I paid uh, $8,000 for it, and uh, I paid cash, so I don't have any payments. So it doesn't matter what I get, it's all mine. Well, that's not true. Because you're going to have to put, even if it's a great truck, you're going to have to put tires on it. You're going to have to do brakes, and stuff's going to wear out. And it, it just happens. That's what that's what happens with equipment. So you need to budget. That's part of that's part of your expenses. And I think it's that a, for for smaller guys, we also need to be keeping in mind that if if we have customers and stuff like that, then we need to be going ahead and getting ahead of the curve and making sure that we have. Um, either a spare truck or a set of relationships with rental companies so that we can kind of, if, if we put our word out there that we were going to be there and service a customer, that we can actually follow through on what our word was and, and to help uh, deepen and strengthen that relationship. And I just want to mention real quickly, we got about 15 minutes left in the show. If anyone has any questions, I see we got a lot of callers on the line. If anyone has any questions dealing with um, RFPs or, or making bids like that, uh, you got a great opportunity to pick Chuck's brain on that right now. Uh, maybe get some tips and some pointers on how you can uh, set your bid up to put you ahead of anyone else that's out there. You know, Rico, you, you just brought up a really good point. Um, pretty hard if you're a one-truck operator to have a spare truck because you have to keep it licensed and insured and everything else in most jurisdictions. But the most important thing, I think, if you're a one-truck operator, 
is to have a at least one account, if not two accounts, set up with rental companies. They can save your life. Right. And they're expensive, right. but you can keep your customer. It's well worth it. And that's how you build a business, whether you're going to be a one-truck operator or want, eventually want to grow into be one of the big guys like a Schneider Hunt. They all started with one truck, and they all started exactly. giving great service. That's how all these people got so big. And, and you've got to we, follow suit if that's where you want to be. Right. we got to be thinking about if you want to grow your business, that's the way we have to do it. Uh, we got a caller calling in from, uh, looks like coming in from the 704 area code. Jim, uh, let's go over to Jim. Jim, you're checking in with Chuck and Rico. What's your question? How can we help? Hey, Rico. It's Jim out of Charlotte. Jim Bauman. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Hi, right, Jim. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Jim. Hey, hey, Chuck. Yeah, I've got a question for either one of you because I'm interested. I'm, I'm slow to get. I, I should have had my authority by now, but I'm slow to do. Every, I hate paperwork, so that's the reason I don't have it yet. But out of Charlotte, you know, I, I wouldn't mind eventually trying to find some more of a, a dedicated thing or experiment with that. My question is, right now it's just my wife and I team, and I was thinking, you know, it'd be even it's it's bad enough to have just one truck, but what about what 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 what's typically in these contracts if, if when you're bidding for a lane if if all of a sudden like you want uh, well I don't know say I say I put a driver in it say I buy another truck and put a driver in it or a team and all of a sudden they quit so I've got this contract that I'm supposed to fulfill and now now because I'm driving my other truck I can't just all of a sudden drive the truck the second truck is part of this lane process. What, I mean, so what normally happens, like if I bid on a lane where I say I want this freight out of Charlotte every Monday going to California, L.A., let's say, where it's a round trip where I've got freight coming back, what is normally the provision in the contract if all, if all of a sudden I can't keep my end of the deal and they have to outsource that to you know one of the big truckload carriers that may cost the shipper more money or the broker? They'll so charge you back for it. Okay. A lot That's of them are written that way. Um, Jim, where they charge you back for the extra that it costs them. So that's dang, that could be a little dangerous. It's not, I mean, because cause like if I'm, say I cover a lane for, with fuel right now, say I cover it for a dollar eighty-five a mile, which is a good deal for them in my opinion. You know, that's a pretty, if I bid, you know, that, that's, that's kind of the, the lowest thing that I would ever want, you know, for, for that because of what the, because of what the rates are. So, so if I couldn't do it and they, and they say, well, we couldn't find somebody any cheaper than say two and a quarter, I'll be paying basically forty cents a mile times say twenty five hundred. I mean, I'll, I'll be paying twelve dollars. Yeah. So that's that's something to think about. I think for me and for everybody else in terms of that, isn't it? Well, you know what? There's there, there's a lot of advantages of of being independent and having your own authority, your own insurance, and everything else. But there's a lot of risk involved. Yeah. And you have to. You have to weigh the risk work, you know, versus the advantages. And, you know, what business are we really in at the end of the day? We're all really in the risk management business. I agree. You know, you get right. out there with your wife, and, and you're driving, and, and you do something wrong. You pick up a load, and, you you know, if it's produce and you don't pulp it, or it's um, whatever it is, it's dry freight, you don't count it right. Or you sign the bills wrong, you sign for pieces instead of signing for skids. So there's all sorts of things that you can do to mess yourself up and okay. get in trouble. Okay? Yeah. 
And this is no different, except it makes it the risk that much greater when you go independent. And you let really me, need to me, weigh that in. Can I, I want to jump in and maybe throw a, throw a different spin on this, Chuck. Say, take his same scenario where he may have a team and he, he's done a bid and he's won a bid and, and now he's vacated. Just, just the same scenario. Could it? Would it be a possibility? Would you would you entertain someone coming to you as an independent and telling to your brokerage and saying, "Hey, uh, Chuck, I got this lane. I'm kind of in a pickle, but uh, you know, I've already done the hard work and gotten the bid process, and this is what we've locked it in for." Do you think maybe we can establish some type of relationship, broker versus and, and carrier, and can you guys maybe help help me out cover the, the runs that I cannot cover with my own truck? Sure. You know what? We've done things like that in the past. Um, they usually the you know you know carriers are uh, are reluctant. Small carriers are reluctant to go to a broker. Uh, and on the other hand, the shippers are sometimes reluctant. Well, I'm dealing with Rico. Where where does Chuck come in? Right. You know that's and, and that and you also have to watch how the contract's written because yeah, they may say. Yeah, they may say you can't farm the freight out. Now, luckily, luckily, more and more shippers are used to the fact that, well, if the equipment is down, uh, we do need to substitute. And they understand that, you know, if, God forbid, Jim's truck is not available, it's okay for Jim to use somebody else. They understand that. And even the biggest guys, the Schneiders and Warners and Hunts of the world, when they're short of trucks or equipment, they do farm stuff out. They all have logistics departments just because of that. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. I'm aware of that. So, you know, all there's right. no harm in that in most cases. Say, say do you all mind? Right. I, oh, sorry. I don't want to. Well, Rico, if you. Go ahead. I don't want to. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Well, well, I'm a little bit curious about Chuck's background. I didn't quite. I, I, caught, I, I was trying to listen to the beginning of the show, and then I heard your. You could be a comedian, Rico, because I was, I was hearing about the, mis- the the way it went wrong the last couple of weeks, so I was kind of laughing. So you may have a second uh, calling there. <laughs> but but anyway, I, 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 I'm always... I, Rico, I don't know all of your background. I'm always curious, so I, I try to catch you in little bits and pieces. But for either one of you, I, I, I'm not exactly sure... Like Chuck, you know, I know you're a guest, and I don't. I'm, I'm not exactly sure because, like I said, I tried to call in and I couldn't hear anything for the first ten minutes for some reason. I don't know what. Yeah, we have the but, same problem here. Yeah, we we had some audio problems. We had we, we got them straightened out here finally. Um, so, well, could Chuck at least? I don't want to hog the phone time, but if Chuck could kind of go over what his his business model, uh, I would love to hear it and, and how it's working well, or not working. Our business model is uh, is a little unique because we are a carrier as well as a broker. We're Canada's oldest third-party brokerage company. Uh, we've been around since 1979. Uh, as well, we run a fleet of trucks uh, to and from the U.S., from Canada to the U.S., out of Milton, Ontario, and Calgary, Alberta, in and out of the States. We haul dry freight, reefer freight, and some flatbed f- and specialized freight. All right, well, that's a quick little background on Chuck. And if you got any questions about Chuck, uh, you can always go to traffic.com and check out Chuck's blog as well. I'll get into mine maybe a little bit later on, but I want to get to the other caller, Jim. We appreciate the call. Uh, we got Les calling in, checking in with us. Les, you're on and you're hey. checking in with Chuck. Great. Now we got everything settled down, such as broken mirrors. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm looking at getting my first truck and getting going. Would you recommend, I mean, it would be all right if I did and try to do some RFPs my first year, or should I wait till a year or two years so I have some solid numbers behind my operation? I think you need some solid numbers. You, you really need to get, uh, you just need to get settled. Uh, don't try to do too much the first day unless, you know, unless you luck into something. But, you know, your best bet, if you're just getting into this, is probably lease on with a reputable carrier. Um, or if you're going to get your own authority, go to some brokers, uh, because that way you, you have a better chance of being paid. And if you work with reputable brokers, you'll get paid right away. And you keep your cash flow, and you can get over the hump because when you're starting a new business, and you need cash. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, guys. You're welcome. All right. Appreciate it. And like Chuck was saying, go um, check in with, uh, you know, go around to your local companies. You know, you might be able to find, depending on what kind of freight that you're hauling, but you might be able to find, look up and, and talk into uh, someone that is, that is looking for a smaller operation that needs someone servicing them. And you might be able to just walk in there and get, establish that relationship where it's not necessarily an RFP situation. But uh, definitely, um, George Hicks definitely has uh, plenty of experience with doing that. Uh, he goes around and makes cold calls, and, and uh, less than 2% of his freight is broker freight. And, he, and he's just having, a, he's running around. I think he's down in my neck of the woods right now hauling a bunch of bees on his flatbed. Um, I talked with him. I talked with him yesterday. He's, he's moving a hive uh, coming down here to Georgia with a hive of, of bees. And I mean, wow. you know, stuff like that is that's not stuff that you're going to find on a, on a load board somewhere. You know, th- those are relationships and those are things that you know you got to get out there and beat some bushes in order to make that come out. Um, so, so we got about we got about five minutes left. I see someone on the line here. I don't have them screened just yet. Let's just go try and see if we can grab them and get them in. Uh, let's see. Caller calling in from the 585 area code. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. Yeah, I didn't, Rico, it's George. I didn't know you were actually going to be talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> were you just running, George? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, I think I fared pretty well. I don't know if I got stung once or twice, but it wasn't too bad today, but I'm already done. Unloaded in two hours. No appointment, no lumper. All's good. But um, you, the, uh, Jim called or called in and asked about where to get different info. One thing I want to suggest as we're getting close on time is um, work with your local chamber of commerce or business alliance right in your town. I try to stress to people, don't try building business in Atlanta if you're from Rochester like I am. It's just not going to work. But if you're working in your hometown, I mean, work your network through your family and your friends. But then also, work with your local business alliance. Many towns even have a transportation council. Uh, ours is okay. Um, but, I mean, they're, you know, if you get with your chamber of commerce, they're the ones that can print out you know, a, a breakdown of businesses in the area. And, and with the RFPs, Chuck, I don't know how you handled things with your sales force there, but here in the States, we had what we call A, B, C, and D accounts. A accounts did over 10000 a month. D did over 5000 I I pretty much say to everyone, don't even think of targeting the A's and the B's. They're not worth it. Right. Yeah, target those accounts that could do a thousand a month. I mean, my ideal customer, as I said before, does six to twelve shipments a year. They You'll they're the, the ones the that appreciate the value. Yeah, and they, right. they see the value. You know, it's funny you, know, you say that because so many of these we're dealing with these young business executives now, and they can understand the money better than anybody else. But they have no concept of value. Wow. 
until they until a problem happens. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but that's but that's much of my business model of where I target. You know, of the years of sales, I went after the stuff that every LTL company I worked for said, "Oh, we don't want that." That's right. And I've you know I've had more than enough to keep me busy, and I you know and I've had a blast with it. Uh, you know, I not that I want to call into everyone's show, but I got it. I called into Kenny's last night, and you know we were talking about getting to know people. But it comes down to when you're on the phone. Have some excitement about yourself, about your business. And, you know, don't be a, a bump on a log when you're on the phone, whether it's with a broker or with a customer saying, oh, that's it. No, got to yeah. engage these people. Get to know them. You start making friends out here and having customers that are friends, guess what? That freight never will see a load board. I, I have three shipments involved in this trip that I left yesterday from New York, brought the bees down. I go to Chattanooga. I've got a sculpture to pick up. Then I go to Birmingham and pick up a CNC machine, all coming home to within 15 miles of my house, and it's going to be a killer week, and I'll be home Saturday afternoon. And no, wow. none of those three shipments ever hit a load board, and three of them, I, uh, well, the three I don't really hardly quote. We just already have agreed of what we've done in the past. Yeah, I, I totally agree. If, if uh, you know, if you are fortunate enough to get into an account and make them your customer. The most important person there really is the receptionist. And she's the gatekeeper, and that's the one you feed. You bring her some pizza, or you bring her some flowers now and then, or a piece of cake or a coffee, and when people call trying to solicit your freight, she'll say, no, we're under contract, and hang up. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got, we got about one minute left in the show, uh, George. I appreciate you calling in, my friend. I hey, appreciate thank you. Uh, Great hey, hearing so, from you, George. So you know, I want to add one thing. Yeah, one thing I want to add to what George said, and I, I had forgotten all about it. Um, throughout North America, most cities and, and larger towns will have, uh, George called it a transportation council, but there's also transportation clubs that right. are clubs where the shippers go and sort of the salespeople from trucking companies. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going to those meetings. Uh, you know, if you're in town, go there, hang out, you know, hand out your card, let shippers know that you're around. Absolutely. And you may pick up some business. That's a great spot to pick them up from. Chuck, you want to give out any contact information while we're still on there? Yeah, if you need anything, give me a call at any time uh, at extension 203-800-388-4352. My email address is Chuck. C-H-U-C-K at traffics, T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com. I think we just got it in under the radar. Well, I appreciate it again, Chuck. I, I hate that we had a little audio problems. We, we're going to get this. Uh, Kevin kind of sent us all out some new microphones and everything, and I was thinking around with it, and I thought I had it up and running, but... uh. Obviously, we didn't. <laughs> Why don't you see if you can trade them the new microphones for another scan gauge? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to do that. Now. But we, uh, we we got some exciting stuff coming down the pike. I think we're going to get some stuff going on. And uh, you think you're going to make it to the CMC again this year? I certainly am. wouldn't mess it for the world. All right. Well, hopefully we'll catch up with you then. Uh, but I appreciate you again for checking in with us every month. Uh, it, it, this has been a definitely has been a, a great credit to uh, Feather and my hat. We keep having you on as a special guest every month, but we definitely appreciate it. 
I certainly enjoyed it. All right, Chuck. You have a good one, my friend. You too, Rico. Be safe out there. Thanks. Bye-bye. Good night. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.